the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christianity is defined by the Bible and the Bible alone because, you see, it is the founding document of Christianity. Let's explore the essence of Christianity from God's Word, the Bible, next. The Bible, it is to be believed, and for one reason only. You see, it is indeed the very Word of God. You see, all of our views, all of our opinions, they should be taken from God's Word and God's Word alone. Pastor Gary Wagner here today on Abounding Grace will take us back to Galatians chapter 6 once again, verses 11 through 18, as we continue our little mini-series here in Galatians called The Essence of Christianity. Just exactly what is it that makes you and I unique, different from the rest of the world if we are indeed Christians? That's what we're exploring here on the program. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary now with today's broadcast. Christianity is defined by the Bible and the Bible alone because it is the founding document of Christianity. And the Bible is to to be believed for one reason. Because it is the very word of God. Christianity is not what we experience it to be. It is not what we think or say it is. Christianity is not what history or tradition or research says it is. It is not what the consensus of public opinion has decided it is. It is not what Life and Time magazine and PBS and Discovery Channel report it has been. Christianity is strictly what God says it is, and God has defined Christianity for us in the Bible. Therefore, all of our views and opinions about it must be drawn from that one book alone, because that book is from God. And in this passage of Scripture for today, Galatians 6, 11 through 18, God sets forth, as we, have been, as we have seen for the last couple of Sundays, the essential features of true Christianity that distinguish it from all of the world's religions and all forms of synthetic Christianity. First, it is not a religion merely of external ceremonies and conduct correctly performed. It is above all a religion of the heart. As the Apostle Paul said, for neither is circumcision anything, nor is uncircumcision anything, but what matters is a new creation, a new heart. Second, Christianity is a matter of what God has done for us, not what we have done for Him. And that's why this passage speaks of the cross, where God accomplished our salvation in Christ without our assistance. And that is why it speaks of our new creation. 
That is, God applies this salvation to our hearts and makes us new creatures without our assistance. Because Christianity is what God does for us, not what we do for God. It is a religion that bases the believer's favorable standing with God on the cross of Christ and not on anything the believer tries to merit. Christianity, we saw, is a relationship with God in Christ in which we die to the world and the world dies to us. Or to use Paul's words, through the cross of Christ, the world has been crucified to me and I have been crucified to the world. Now, remember the definition of world here in its context. It's not talking about trees and mountains and flowers as if to say the Christian shouldn't love nature. It is to say the world representing anything and everything outside of Christ in which unbelievers trust and for which unbelievers live is to have no allurement whatsoever for the child of God. We have been crucified to the world, to everything the world trusts in, and the world has been crucified to us, meaning that the break with this evil world for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is total and absolute. Once a person places his trust in Christ and he lives for him, nothing in the world charms or seduces him. There is absolutely nothing in the world that the Christian wants to trust in or live for once he meets and comes in to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the seductions and the allurements of this world to a Christian are what they would be to a dead man. Furthermore, because of the Christ of cross and its effects on us, all believers become objects of contempt to all of those who love this evil world and place their trust in it. And on the other hand, the world becomes an object of contempt to all believers so that the believer boasts only in the cross and nothing else. As the New Testament tells us, that about which you boast is that in which you trust. Now we come to a new feature of true Christianity that Paul brings out, which is this. At the heart of true Christianity is the church. The church is the heart of the gospel. It is at the heart of the plan of salvation precisely because it is in the heart of the triune God. It was only for the church that Jesus shed his precious blood and redeeming blood. He loved the church so much and so exclusively that he gave up his life to have her and hold her and care for her throughout all eternity. However, even though that point is made in both testaments, most Protestants in America undervalue the role of the church in the plan of salvation and in the Christian life. I dare say to most confessed Protestants in America, the church is a good place to get married and have your funeral and Maybe if you're real superstitious, to have your babies baptized. 
But beyond that, it has no practical relevance for our everyday life. Also, we see the way Protestants undervalue the church and the way it does evangelism. You know, we have all kinds of parachurch organizations that are not under the church, but want to play church. And they are out to convert believers to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they only pay mouth service to the church. Forgetting it, forgetting that it was the, to the church that the great commission to preach the gospel throughout all the world was given. These parachurch organizations, without any real commitment to be guided and governed by the church, do, however, go after the finances of the members of the church. But the church plays no real part in its strategy and organization. And also, when these parachurch organizations that have Christians' names and play church in their presentation of the gospel, they even downplay the church. They do take great pains of calling men to Christ, and yet they fail to see that to call people to Christ means also to call them into the church. Well, they have their little tracks, and they go out on the street corner, and they say, Now, here is what you have to do to be saved. Do one, two, three, four. They get some people saved, and then they go over to someone else, and they repeat the process, leaving the impression that it is normal for a Christian to be outside of the church. Now, that's not the way all evangelists work. Some of them do bring the people into the church and disciple them. But that's not the general mode of operation. A person cannot come to Christ, beloved, unless he comes to church, because the church is what? It is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. And whenever the head, wherever the head is, there the body is. To call someone to Christ is to call someone to join Christ's church and to serve Him and worship Him in the fellowship of the church. But that's not the emphasis of the evangelism of much of today's Protestantism. We also see how modern Protestantism downplays the church and how the church is not presented as essential to living the Christian life, to to growing in faith, to being sanctified in the spirit, to having a life-glorifying God. The Bay Area is particularly guilty of this, and that all through this area... You have Christians who have great libraries. Oh, they listen to all kinds of sermons on tape. They have a lot of knowledge, but no one has ever taught them that they are sheep in the midst of a flock that has a shepherd. And they must take seriously that flock, that they are members of a body, and that outside that body they are nothing And the Lord Jesus Christ has given us His church with all of its outward means of grace, its worship, its prayer, its sacraments, its preaching, its word, with its government, with its church discipline, with its spiritual oversight of elders. And I dare say if you talk to most professed Christians in the Bay Area of the absolute essential nature of the spiritual oversight of the elders in order to live the Christian life properly, they wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Because for most churches today, elders or deacons or stewards or whatever you want to call them are basically just a board of managers 
that make the decisions about the church, but they're not really shepherds. So the church is undervalued. We see this understanding of the church and that the church is not viewed as necessary to understanding the Old and New Testaments for understanding the whole of the Bible. The Old Testament, we are told, is about the Jewish nation. The New Testament is about individual believers whom God saves one by one. They say, you don't need to know about the church to understand the Word of God. That's what we're told. In spite of the fact that the church is at the heart of Christianity and the plan of salvation, because it is at the heart of God. Now, I need to stop here and explain what I mean by the church. I'm talking about that entity which most Americans look upon today, the organized church, the institutional church on the street corner. So when I say the church is at the heart of Christianity and the heart of the plan of salvation and essential for living the Christian life, I'm not talking about some nebulous church somewhere that's invisible. Too many people practice the invisibility of the church. I'm talking about the institutional, organizational church that most people today criticize and look down upon. Or to use the words of our thoroughly biblical Westminster Confession of Faith, which says, the visible church, which is also called Catholic or universal, and don't let that word Catholic with a small c throw you, because it means universal, transcendent of time and nationality and race and language. We're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. But the visible church, which is also Catholic or universal, under the gospel, consists of all those throughout the world who confess the true religion of Christianity and of their children. Unquote. So what is the visible church? It is composed of all of those who profess their faith in Christianity and their children. It is the visible kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, outside of which visible church, says our confession, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. In other words... It is extremely difficult and extremely rare and extremely extraordinary for anyone to be saved and go to heaven outside of the institutional organizational church. Now, why does that seem so radical and extreme to so many people in America? Why do so many Protestants have such a low view of the church? Let me give to you what I think are a few reasons. First of all, because most Americans inside and outside of the church are individualists. They don't have any comprehension of the covenantal relationship of life and our commitments to one another as families in the family of God. We are Rugged individualists, John Wayne types. We live for ourselves. We emphasize our own rights, our own autonomy. We don't want any commitments upon our lives other than those we voluntarily want to have. 
And this rugged individualism that dominates most Americans results from the democratization of the church over the past 200 years in the U.S. The church has been less and less concerned with subservience to the King, Jesus, and more and more concerned with individual rights and individual autonomy and individual sovereignty and determine for myself who will govern me, for no one will govern me without my consent, not even the living God. Another reason for the low view of the church is because of a view that has dominated Christian theology, particularly in conservative churches, called dispensationalism and its influence. Now, I'm not going to go through it entirely, but if you want to know what it is, dispensationalism, read Ken Gentry's book, He Shall Have Dominion. He Shall Have Dominion. But basically... Because of the influence of dispensationalism over the past 100 years, the church has taken a back seat in the life of Christians. Because according to this heretical doctrine, the church is just a parenthesis in God's plan for the ages. What God planned, they say all along, was to send Jesus to earth to build one great political kingdom on this earth, a militaristic kingdom that is predominantly Jewish. Jesus got himself killed, though. So God put plan A on the back burner, and he came up with plan B and rushes in a substitute, a parenthesis for the time being. And by the way, that word parenthesis is their term. It is not mine. The dispensationalist says there's nothing about the church in the Old Testament It's just a parenthesis, and someday the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rapture the church out of here anyway and go back to plan A and rebuild a political, militaristic, predominantly Jewish kingdom and the restoration of the sacrificial system on the earth for a thousand years. So, in particular, in that particular scheme of things that has really dominated conservative Christianity for years, The church isn't taken seriously at all. Another reason for the undervaluing of the church in many conservative churches today is because of the replacing of the church, which is at the center of God's dealings with man and with other human institutions. We have among conservative churches, particularly, a placing of the family as the central institution of God's plan for the ages, rather than the Christian church. My friends, that is old-fashioned tribalism. That is the source of clan warfare in Scotland. That is the source of brutal warfare in southern Africa, to put the family at the center of things rather than the church. Some people have put the state at the center of things. The most important institution, they say, in all of society that will give us cradle-to-grave security, solve all of our problems, and end all injustice, heal all of our diseases, make it safe for you to walk the streets unarmed at nights, is the state. And, of course, that is statism. And then there are others who place at the center of things science and technology. You see, they'll all save our problems. Just trust the scientists and technicians and medical research and all of our problems will be solved. That is scientism. 
People are always wanting to replace the center, which should be the church, with some other human institution. Then there's another reason which we can, we can actually sympathize with to some degree for the undervaluing of the church, and that is the distrust for institutions like the organized church and the modern state. Both the civil government and the church are ordained by God, but they have been pathetic failures in the 20th and 21st centuries, apostate and anti-Christian. So when godly people look at the institutions of the organized church and of the modern state, it causes them to distrust those institutions. Well, those are some of the reasons why even Christians have, to, have taken the church out of the center of the Christian faith. But nevertheless, the Bible is emphatic that the church is central to Christianity and to your life and to the life of your family. The church is of highest importance to your growth, your development, and safety as a Christian in this evil world. And nowhere do we find a higher view of the church than in the book of Galatians. Look, for instance, at the first five verses of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all of the brethren who are with me to the churches. Now, he's not using churches in some kind of invisible way again, some abstract sense. He's talking about organized institutional congregations spread all over Galatia. That is, the visible Catholic church comprised of those who profess to believe the true religion and their children. Notice what he says to the churches in Galatia. Not just individuals now scattered here and there over Asia Minor in, Tur Asia Minor in Turkey, but to congregations of people. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, the church's sins, that he might deliver us, the churches, out of this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever. Amen. In other words, the salvation of the church was the objective of Christ's death on the cross. Grace and peace is bestowed upon the church, it says here. Jesus died to save his churches from this present evil age. Not just solitary individuals out there detached from one another, but churches. Look at verse 22 of chapter 1. And I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. Now here you have organized institutional churches in Judea that are given the greatest description that can be given of any in the Old Testament. Of being in union and communion with the living Christ himself. Not individuals scattered here and there, but churches. The organized church. Look at chapter 4, verse 26. I actually preached on this passage, so if you want to go back and see the exegetical undergirding of my interpretation, you may. But in verse 26 it says, But the Jerusalem above, that is the church, is free. She is our 
mother. So here you have first the church called the Jerusalem that originates from above, just like the kingdom of God originates from above. Again, go back to a previous sermon of mine if you want to know more about that. Now we see here that the church is our mother. John Calvin said, anyone who has God as his father has the church as his mother. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.